uh, you've got some work to do. Amen? And I believe all of us do. There are a lot of Christians today who I believe uh, really don't, they, they just go with the flow of the culture and every, whatever people do. And if it feels good, do it. I'm a Christian, so whatever. But that's not, as a Christian, we must understand that the truth and the plumb line and the default that we always go back to is this Word of God. This is the answer, and, this, and it is relevant today. It's not irrelevant. It is relevant to everything in society today. Yeah, this is 2019. But it's just as relevant today as it was in zero. Amen. So listen, I'm going to just read this real quick. Uh, it's, 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 it was, I got it on an email, and it says, Why do so many Christians not have a consistently biblical worldview? And the answer is a biblical worldview is one's total conception of the of the world from a biblical standpoint. It's a Christian's basic belief system about the meaning of life, the nature of God, the source of truth and other foundational concepts. Yet many Christians worldview is not biblically consistent. They may approach some issues, some issues with a biblical viewpoint, but not every issue. I know there are Christians that I know. I know Christians who are friends of mine who believe it's okay to murder a baby, to abort babies. They believe it's okay. So to me, there's, a, there's, a, there's something wrong there yeah. with their biblical worldview. Because in God's eyes, that baby is, is a baby yeah. since conception. In the Word of God, He forms us in the womb. And He knows us from that moment. He's known us before that moment. And so for, for people today to say, well, that should be left up to the mother to make that decision. There's something wrong with the biblical worldview of that person. And there's a, there's a lot of issues that come up in today's society and our culture and everything that we, we see on the news every day. But if we don't have a biblical worldview perspective in those issues, we could make some wrong decisions. And, and even politically, when we go to the polls and we go to vote for people, for, for candidates, if they don't represent a biblical worldview, guess what? They're not getting my vote. They're not getting my vote, and they shouldn't get any Christian's vote in this world, in this country. And, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be frank. I'm going to be in your face. I'm not going to get in your face, but I'm going to be in your face with the Word of God. And so I think it's something we need to, we need to think about strongly. Uh, so they're, they're ignorant. Many people who don't have a consistent biblical worldview are ignorant of what the Bible says. They do not know the Word. If someone doesn't know what the Bible says about the sanctity of human life, for example, it will be difficult for him to form a biblical view on the subject. For those who are ignorant, education is the key. Yeah. So I'm, that's what I want to do. I want to educate this church and the people that come to this church of, of what, the, what the Word says. They reject, number two, they reject what the Bible says on certain issues. There's a Barna group that does surveys, conducted a survey asking questions about the Bible to determine if people truly believed what the Bible said. And the results were startling. Only 4% did. 4% of Christians actually did and, and knew what the Bible said and believed what the Bible said. 
Professed Christians did not fare much better. If a professed Christian does not believe what the Bible says, it will be impossible for him to have an authentic biblical worldview. For those who are contrary, repentance is the key. Number three was they are they are more concerned with what the world thinks of them than what God thinks of them. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. A believer who views the world from a, a biblical standpoint recognizes that he is not of this world. Jesus said, "If you belong to the world, it w- it would love you as its own." As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. When a believer starts making compromises with the world's way of thinking, he loses focus on God's perspective. For those who are fearful, courage is the key. We have to be courageous in these days. Number four, they are, they are lukewarm in their commitment to Christ, like the church at Laodicea. They are neither cold nor hot, unwilling to take a stand for Christ, for the lukewarm commitment is the key. You've got to commit yourself to Was Jesus committed to us? Yes. You bet. He went all the way for us. He did everything for us. Number five, they are, they are influenced by the lies of the world. From the time of Adam and Eve, Satan has used his ability to deceive and confuse. A powerful tool in Satan's arsenal is the idea that the Bible is a book of myths. That it's full of errors and not to be trusted. Satan wishes to convince people that the Bible is no longer relevant. Its laws and principles are obsolete. Many in the church have been influenced by such thinking. For the deceived, discernment is the key. They are swayed by their circumstances and doubt God's promises. How did, how did Satan first begin with Adam and Eve? Deception. Did God really say? And he says that to us still today. They doubt God's promises. In Matthew 14, when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on the water, he was demonstrating a biblical worldview. If Jesus said, come, he's just stepped right out of the boat. Jesus is the source of all power. However, when Peter focused on the storm-tossed sea, his worldview shifted. Maybe, maybe the waves are more powerful than Jesus. For the doubting, faith is the key. Man, this is a whole sermon here today, man. It was good. I had to read. To have consistently... Biblical, a consistently biblical worldview. We must go back to the Bible and take hold of the promises that God has made to us. For the world offers us nothing. Not a zip, zilch, not a. The world offers you nothing. And we're going nowhere without Jesus. Man, I want to go somewhere. And I'm going somewhere. Amen. Because I put my trust in Him and His living Word. His living Word. Amen. Isn't that good? So we're going to, I may get into some issues that are really going to maybe help us think uh, consistently uh, what the Bible says about issues. Amen? You like that? Looking forward to that? Amen. Me too. I like that. 
I like because I want to help the church, man. I want to help you guys, and I believe through this whole series on the family, it's helped a lot. Have has it? Have y'all made some changes in the home? Amen. It's looking good. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, we were up there. It was hot, kind of hot in here this morning. I was up there. I was thinking about when I was in that. We got in these. Anybody ever been to Lava Hot Springs, Idaho? That's where we were. We went. We went there and stayed for a few days, and we actually got in the hot springs, and it was hot. Yeah. It was hot in there. We I didn't stay. We didn't stay in there about thirty minutes or so. Wasn't it? We we got out of there, but yeah, people were getting out. They looked like red lobsters. <laughs> I mean, they were red. They were red because they, they stayed in there too long. And, and they, they got, one guy started walking in. The muscles just started falling down. It was all around his feet there. No. <laughs> so, it's like that meat off a chicken on a, you know, when you boil a chicken up and that meat just falls off and shake it up. But it was hot, man. But it felt good. When we got, we felt good. We couldn't walk very good, but we, we felt good when we got out of there. It was good. We had a blast. We really had a good time in uh some of y'all see the pictures? Did y'all see some of the pictures we sent back on Facebook and stuff? But, uh, man, it was beautiful. God's creation is so beautiful. Yeah. I told Kim, you know, I don't really care about going, out, you know, outside this country. I'd rather stay in this country and just spend the rest of my days going to see whatever God has put in this nation because this is a beautiful country. Yeah. And there's beauty all around us. It's all around us. We don't have to go far. I mean, you just go right down here to Zedler Mill. It's beautiful. Yeah, and when they get through with that uh, river walk thing they're going to do, they're building a nice little river walk down there. It's going to be so beautiful, and uh, I, I can't wait. God told me years ago about that Zedler Mill. He gave me the word. It was in, where was that, in Ezekiel or somewhere, where about the hidden things, the hidden things will, the, the former hidden things will be revealed, and I can't remember where it is exactly. But it's that's what's happened because when we grew up, Kim and I grew up in this town. We've been here all our lives. And when we were growing up, there was just a, a grown-up, weeded area. You couldn't even see it. It was nothing. The old mill. That's the old mill. And nobody ever went over there. I mean, people would go down and swim on the on where the dam is, but they never, you couldn't. It was private property where the mill was and all that. There was an, there was an old house up in there. And it was all private, so you never really went over there into that area. And uh, But now when, when, they, when the city got a hold of it, they started, you know, getting grants to really make it look nice and opened up the beauty of what that is. That's, a, that's, the, same, that's the same illustration of what God wants to do in our own lives. Yeah. We've been covered up. We've been weeded around. We've been loaded up with the world's junk. And then God wants to take us and make a beautiful thing out of us. Amen. And you are beautiful. You people who have come to Christ, you are beautiful in His eyes. And He doesn't see He doesn't ever see ugly in you anymore. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you ain't ugly. <laughs> You're beautiful. That's so true. All right. So let's get into, this is part 16 in the series. And let me just tell everybody, there may be some new people here today. There are 16 parts to this um, teaching. If you want them, if you want to get all parts on a CD, you uh, just have to tell those guys back there in the sound booth. They'll put your name down, write it down. And it's free. I'm not charging for this. It's free. It's, I want you to get it and listen to them and learn this stuff. It's so good. So, but today we're going to talk about it, um, parental guidance suggested. Everybody been to the movies and uh, we went to the movies. You got to go see Overcomer. Yeah. It's new. It just came out. We saw it in Idaho before we left. We had to wait for the plane, so we went the day before and we we watched uh, Overcomer. 
ate too much popcorn again. And uh, But it's a great movie. It's, I'm not going to tell you about it. You'll just love it. I know you'll love it. So make a, make a chance and get an opportunity to go see it wherever it's showing. Uh, Did they show it at Creekside in New Braunfels? They got recliners in that theater. Have y'all been there yet? Isn't it nice? You just lay back. Oh, you just push that button and lay back and recline. Eat that popcorn and watch it. And I fall asleep. We're watching uh, one. We took Chloe or some kids, our grandkids, to go see uh, what? Lion King. We went to see Lion King. That was a good movie too. Yeah, it was good. And uh, but those they have recliners in uh, Creekside. You need to go there. Amen. All right. But so this morning we're going to talk about parental guidance suggested. Some movies uh, we should not go see as Christians. You know that. You know that. So you need to think about that before you go. Me and Kim went time, one time years ago down in Corpus. We were on vacation. This was 30 years ago, about. And uh, we walked into a theater. We went to see a picture show. We called them picture shows. And uh, that, as soon as we got in there and sat down, they started talking bad. I mean, it was ugly, ugly words. And they were saying, we could, let's go, Kim. I'm not going to put this in this. This is not a garbage can. This is not a garbage. Do I look like a garbage can? Don't put your garbage in my can either. So I don't want to be I don't want to be around people that's going to throw garbage in my can. So I just avoid them. Amen. And if I'm carrying on a conversation with somebody and they start putting trash out of their mouth, I, I just leave it. It's, I'm gone. I'm no longer focused on you anymore. I'm sorry. I love you, but I ain't gonna let you put trash in me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk today about parental guidance and uh, how parents can help train your children properly in the home. Amen. It's every parent's major role in life. That's the major role that you have as parents in life is to train your kids. Did you ever think about that? Yes. When you, before you started having kids, you need to think about that because that's your major role. It ain't all about fun and having kids. It's about training. I've got a job to do now. I've got kids coming. I've got to raise those kids. I've got to train those kids. Amen. I'm not going to let somebody else train my kids. Amen. So it's not something that just happens automatically by osmosis or something. No, you must purpose as parents to train your children properly. I, want, I just want to stop right quick and just think. I think somebody's hearing from the Holy Spirit that maybe you haven't done a good job. Maybe you're thinking, man, I've, I know I've really messed up. I know I haven't been a good parent. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Nobody gets it perfect. Nobody. Kim and I, we were very good parents. I think we were. And, uh, but nobody's perfect. We made mistakes. You'll make mistakes. But you just keep on come back and try to do it right and correct it. And listen, it's not, a, it's not a, something bad to tell your kids, I'm sorry. I misjudged that. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have treated you like that. They love that. You need to teach them every aspect of life. Yeah. There's forgiveness. There's, you make wrong choices. Parents make wrong choices too. We all make mistakes. So just a, a note to somebody, whoever's hearing that voice, nobody's perfect in here. Nobody's perfect. Kim thinks I am, and, but I know I'm not. Okay. But God's original intent for mankind is still the same today as it was way back there with Adam and Eve. It's still the same today. It doesn't change. His desire for all humanity is to multiply, 
be fruitful, not fruity, and subdue and take dominion on this earth. God chose to accomplish this through the family. See, the family was God's design. It was His purpose and plan all along. Parenting is very important to God. Amen. And I think uh, I think uh, I can say this safely that a lot of the problems and the issues we see in people's lives across the country are because there weren't parents in the home, and a lot of kids were left to raise themselves. And then you got those kids who are now parents who raised themselves now not raising their own kids either because my parents didn't raise me I ain't raising you and so we can't have that people we can't have that we're going to just continue to have problems after problems after problems if we don't take this parenting role serious have you ever thought about why why did God send his son Jesus to the earth as a human child why didn't he just let him come walking in the street one day somewhere as a a grown adult and just start healing people and preaching to people and then everybody gets saved and all that. Why didn't he just let him do that? No. He wanted Jesus to have every experience of life that we all have. He wanted Jesus to experience the world as we experience it. He wanted Jesus to be cared for. He wanted him to be nurtured and disciplined and raised up just like us. And Jesus was just like us in every way, yet he was also God. Amen? Jesus grew up in a home, much like any of us in the world today. His parents trained him. They took care of him. They taught him the Word of God. They changed him. They put pampers on him. No, they didn't. (laughs) They taught him how to work. They taught him a skill. There's not very much recorded in the Bible after his childhood. And it's only recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And while both books relate events surrounding Jesus' birth uh, and infancy, only Luke tells anything about his childhood, and that's only about one event that happened when he was 12 years old. But that one account contains some very valuable information and guidance to help us as parents raise our children well. Let's turn there to Luke chapter 2. And they'll have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But Luke chapter 2, verse 41, we'll begin reading there. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus, notice they capitalized boy there. The boy Jesus lingered behind because he was deity. Jesus is deity if you haven't realized that. There's a lot of churches today that don't believe Jesus. They just think Jesus was the Son of God, but he was not God. But Jesus is God. Amen. So, So, when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. And sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. They lost Jesus. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was uh, that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, 
Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his subject to them means he was obedient to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now Mary knew. You think about it. Mary kind of knew because how did she have this baby? By the Holy Spirit. Amen. So she, she kind of knew this, and it just gives us these words about her, kept all these things in her heart. Oh, yeah, she knew. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, that tells us that Mary and Joseph were faithful. They were regular and consistent in their worship of God. As parents today should be. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. And they taught Jesus to be the same. Twelve years old is the age that a Jewish male passes from boyhood to manhood. Twelve years old. Anybody got a twelve-year-old in here? He's becoming a man, isn't he? You could see it. Then they begin to focus specifically on preparing to follow in their, in their father's footsteps. In Jesus' case, they, they, this meant learning to be a carpenter and uh, like his earthly father, Joseph, was. And then we learned on our trip to Israel that Jesus wasn't just a, a carpenter making furniture and tables and chairs and things like that. And that's what we see pictures of Jesus doing as a carpenter. But he was actually a home builder. Him and his father built homes. I mean, and how were the homes built back in those days? With stone. So they, they were builders, but they built with stone. And there was some wood involved. But, but as a carpenter, it, it's really more, look, look at it more as they were builders. Yeah. They were builders of homes, and they built their homes out of rock and, and those, those ways. And so, but as we read this story, we can see that Jesus was already preparing to walk in the footsteps of his true Father in heaven. He was studying the Word. He was learning the Word. He was asking questions. And he, that's how kids learn. They, they ask questions of those in authority over them, the rabbis. And, and Jesus was learning. And uh, Joseph and Mary were very aware of that. And so when Jesus stayed behind the temple, He astounded those rabbis and others there with His insight and His understanding of the Scripture. And His parents had indeed taught Him well. He listened and ask questions. And this shows us that he knew how to show proper respect and honor to those elders. He learned this from his parents, I'm sure. Uh, par- uh, let me tell you, parents, if your children, I know I've, it's been times I've been praying for someone up here, and these children will always come in and they'll, they'll just walk right in the middle of you and interrupt your prayer time or something, whatever it is. And you need to train your kids. I'm not, I'm not upset about it. But you need to train your kids that when, a, when a two adults are talking, don't interrupt. Let, let the, teach them these manners. I mean, a lot of kids today, they don't have it. They just don't have it. And, and I know why. Parents didn't teach them. I'm going I'm to show you some things. And I'm going to tell you some things in a minute that you're going to be uh, astounded about. But it's true. I really believe it's true about how, how young kids learn. How young, when they're, when they're three and four years old, they learn things right there, a lot of things. Okay, 
So Mary and Joseph were preparing Jesus for his mission in life and had done a good job. And the most significant information that we find in these verses in Luke here is in the last part of those last two verses we read. Then it says that this, uh, Luke 2, 51 and 52, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject, obedient to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Jesus willingly made himself subject to the training and authority of his earthly parents. And he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I tell people all the time, you don't let your kids miss public school, but you'll let them stay home from church and miss Sunday school. And I have a problem with that. I hope you do. Because it's not wise to leave your kids home. and that, that worldly education, they have to have it. And they must have it. And it's good. But this spiritual education they get here is more important than that any day. Any day. Amen. So you just, you need to be, you don't let your kids just whine and fuzz. I don't feel good. So I got to tell them to stay home. Come on. Let's be a little stronger, a little firmer with them. Amen. Yeah. In this statement, we find four areas of emphasis where Mary and Joseph focused the training of Jesus. And I believe as we as parents would do well to do the same with our children. Four areas to focus on in training your children. You may want to write these down. You just have to write. If you just write down the, the four things when we get to them, I think it, it would help you take them home and apply them. Listen, listen. sermons that I preach or teachings that I do here are only, are only good if you take them and apply them to your life. I mean, if you took everything that I, I've been teaching now for almost 20 years here, and everything that I teach, if you would take it at home and apply it to your life, to your home, to your family, everything, uh, your homes would never be the same. They would change. There would be transformation. Amen. Because it's not me that's changing them. It's the Word. And it's taking the Word of God and the principles of God and applying them to your life that will change anything you need changed. Amen? So, the first area is imparting wisdom to your children. Imparting wisdom to your children. This should be our number one priority uh, as parents. What is wisdom? Here's a statement. It says, true wisdom is the application of God's Word to your daily life. That's true wisdom. Others may have other definitions for wisdom, however. It's the Word of God. Amen? It's the Word of God. And it, and, and, teaches, and it teaches us in Proverbs 9.10. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the be- beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I like the, uh, the Passion Translation says it like this. The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. Amen. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the One who has living understanding. Hallelujah. So how do I get wisdom? Well, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without repro- reproach, and it will be given to him. And the Passion Translation says it like this. It's so good. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. He won't seek He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, 
but He will overwhelm your failures with His generous grace. Hallelujah. You know, the enemy likes to throw up our failures to us. Amen. He does. That's what he does. He knows our past. He knows all those things in our past. He never know. He doesn't know our future. But we know his, don't we? Amen. But see, he tries to throw up your failures. And then God comes and says, look, I overwhelm your failures with my generous grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His grace is for us, man. I tell you, it's, grace has a name. I like that. Grace has a name. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So, true wisdom is the application of God's Word to our daily lives. Amen. In other words, parents, the number one thing we need to teach our children is how to eat properly. Not just physical food, but the spiritual food of the Word of God as well. Amen. Amen. So, it's never too early to begin bringing our children into contact with God's Word. And we started with our kids when, when they couldn't read. We just did picture books of the Word of God. We got a hold of We went somewhere where we could buy those little books with the Bible uh, characters in them. And we started teaching them when they were little bitty bitty babies. They just wanted to see. And then they learned. And then my daughter got filled with the Holy Ghost at four years old, speaking in tongues in her bedroom by herself, four years old. Kim went in there. Did you go in there? Was that... What's she doing? Yeah. And she said, I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm speaking in tongues. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Remember that spirits are ageless. Spirits are ageless. Amen. Hallelujah. We read the Word to them, Kim and I. We read the Word to them. We brought them to church. I'm not trying to build myself up. Yeah, as a perfect parent, because we, we made a lot of mistakes too. But but we did what we knew to do. We took our kids to church. My kids have been to church since they were old enough to get to church. When they couldn't even talk, they were here. They were in this church. And uh, we took them to church. We, we, we started in the Episcopal Church. And when we got out of there, we came here. We, we started this church. and uh, But our kids have been in church all their lives. And uh, we... we we wouldn't let them miss. We weren't always the pastors either. We were Sunday school teachers. We were janitors. We did everything around the church. Amen. But we made sure we were in church. It wasn't about us. It was about God and what He's doing. And we wanted to learn too. We were, we were parents that wanted to learn. We listened to radio stations. We took them to concerts. I noticed last night a bunch of people went to a Tree of Life, had a big concert with some, who was these people, social mis- misfits? There's a group that was singing over there, and they were having a blast last night. I saw it, some of it on Facebook. It was really nice. But listen, we did that as parents. We didn't have to, but we did it. We did it for our kids. We wanted our kids everywhere Carmen was. We went. Y'all remember Carmen? Y'all don't know who Carmen. But Carmen was a singer, and he had the most radical songs out back there in the '80s. And we took them to see him everywhere he went. When he come to San Antonio, awesome. We'd take the kids and go. Striper uh, uh, was a Petra. We took them to all those concerts. Amy Grant. David Crowder. He's still around, too. There were some old ones back there, too, you know. But we took our kids. We just did that. We didn't wait for the church to do it, and we didn't count on the church doing it. We did it. You know, every time there's a concert around, somebody says, well, y'all going to take a group? No, you go. You just go. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do it. Y'all do it. Amen. Hey, take your kids. That's your kids. It's not mine. 
if I love them, I'm not saying that. And they say, I love you too. But we can't go to everything. We just can't do everything. All right. But the spirit of a child can receive the living word of God no matter how old they are. Start young. Start right away. I'm telling you, if you don't get them before they're four-year-old, you're late. You're late. Jesus, at the age of 12, had wisdom way beyond his age because the Word of God had been imparted into his spirit. They were astonished at his understanding of the Scriptures. He was the Son of God, of course, but he learned from his parents teaching him and training him just like we teach and train our children. We must teach our children the Word of God and how to apply it to their lives. Listen, if you've got little children right now, you need to have a little children's Bible. You need to have a little child's Bible, some way that, it, that you can teach them the Word of God, and they can learn the stories. That's what we do in the Sunday school classes. They're learning the biblical stories in there, stories of faith. And uh, so that you can do that at home, too. You can do it at home. They'll love it. You watch them. You get them those books, and they'll, they'll read them. They'll tear them up reading them. They'll, they'll make them old. Just go buy another one. It's important. I don't care what they cost. It ain't about cost. That's your kids. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Invest in them. Amen. Don't let them sit on the video games all day long. Ah, good. You ain't doing them any good. We must teach our children the Word of God and how to apply it to their lives. Studies in child development and psychology have found that the pattern of a child... This is what I was going to tell you a while ago. The pattern of a child's life is generally set by age four. Can you believe that? Yes. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't always agree with that, but today I think it's true. Because I see what happens to kids who hadn't been raised from one to four, one to five, one to six. They haven't been raised at all or trained at all until they get to public school. And then when they get in public school, the teachers have all kind of problems with these kids. Yes. And the reason is because they weren't trained at home. Don't, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen, maybe you haven't done a good job, but it's never too late to start now. Amen. So whatever a child learns in the first four years of life usually determines the course of the rest of their life. Not always, but it, but it does have a lot to do uh, how they feel, how they think, how they talk, and how they act. Everything else it's just reinforcement. Uh, this is why it's so important to get the Word of God into a child's spirit from the earliest possible moments in life. I don't want, to, I don't want the world influencing my kids. I want the Word of God to influence them. Amen. And then my kids can influence their friends yeah. too. Amen. So teach your kids early to read the Psalms, and this is in my notes there, teach your kids early, children early, to read the, the Psalms, the Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes over and over. And uh, you'll see that in the book, uh, in the movie, Overcomer, uh, she recommends the girl read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, wasn't it? Read those, because that tells you who you are in Christ. And you need to know who you are so the devil can't beat you up all the time. Yeah. Amen. So everything we need to know for practical, godly living is, is found in these books. Everything else is just reinforcement. The book of Psalms has many prophecies about the Messiah. 
one, one uh, point that I must stress with you when you're reading the Psalms, you need to realize and, and know that the Psalms is in the Old Testament and it's written for Old Testament that, with that theme. Jesus, you know, hasn't come yet to do what he did. So you need to know that some of the Psalms will say some things that you say. You need to apply Jesus' resurrection in that too as well. So you need to keep that in mind when you read the Psalms because they'll say some things that were written by King David, did a lot of the Psalms, and they'll, they'll be in that, in that realm. So in the book of Proverbs, we find God's principles and laws for success, happiness, and fruitfulness of life. The, the, song, the Proverbs is real good. Every time I read the Bible through in a year, we did, I did it several times you know, I would always read those Proverbs again and again. And you could, there's 31 Proverbs. You could read one every month, you know. Every, I mean, every day of the month, read one. And then every month, do it again. Read it. Just keep reading them. And you'll get them in you, and that will just really encourage you because they're real positive. Okay. So Proverbs also talks more about parenting than any other book of the Bible. And the book of Ecclesiastes describes in vivid detail the futility and emptiness of trying to live without God. It'll tell you what, what life is going to be like if you don't have God. Amen? So parents, focus on imparting wisdom and the Word of God to your children, especially when they're young. I mean, when they're, when they're old enough to start looking at books. Get it in them right then. Start right then. Start doing it. Do it. Amen? You go find you some bookstores. some good bookstores around. Get them. And if you need something, we'll order you something here. We can order it. Number two, am I just on number two? <laughs> Developing your children's stature. And that, that means develop their self-control. Their self-control. Stature has to do with physical characteristics such as height and build. But it's also, it also has to do more broadly with, with overall physical development, particularly discipline. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And in developing your children's stature, we're talking about discipline in behavior and manner. In other words, self-control. Self-control. Teach them how to control their emotions. Man, it's just a, you go to Walmart and there'll be some screaming kid in a basket in front of you and you just want to help them so bad. <laughs> Where's the duct tape? You know, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Luke 2.52 says Jesus increased in stature, which means he grew physically. But he also grew in physical discipline. He submitted to his parents and he learned self-control. Children have to be trained in self-control. A child that is not properly trained in self-control is usually a spoiled brat. Oops. But don't call him that. Don't call him that. You, 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 you're, you're speaking words. Speak life. You speak what? You're such an obedient child. Even when they're not, you tell them. You speak that over them. You speak life over your kids. Speak life over your kids. Amen. Don't curse them. Don't curse them. Amen. Amen. Uh, so usually a spoiled child, they insist on getting their own way all the time, right? You got some of those? We had some too. And basically, they learn to just be, and here's the truth, they're just selfish. That human, that was our nature. If we're left to our own, we're going to be selfish. If we're never taught anything, we're going to be selfish. It's going to be about me, myself, and I. That's the way we are. That's the nature. That's that God, I mean, that sin nature that was in us, not God. But we can get born again. Yeah. Amen. And with a new nature. Right. Amen. 
So as they get older, they will get into lots of trouble if they're not taught. If you don't train them, you don't try to break that out of them. We must teach our kids to control their emotions and their passions. We must teach them what is right and what is wrong. You know, I think a lot of people today don't even know what right and wrong is. Teach them about life, respect, honesty, fairness, kindness, generosity. You're going to love that movie, Overcomer. They have so many different aspects that they teach out of this. Out of just this, like these teachings that I'm giving you now. They do it in this movie, and it's such a good movie. I loved it. You've got to catch those little, those little, you can see them in, throughout the movie. You see where that's taking place, and that's taking place. Jesus like any other child growing up, had to learn to develop uh, the characteristics in his life. He had to learn the Word of God and how to apply it in his life. He, we mentioned wisdom first because without wisdom, it is very difficult to develop the stature of discipline in children. Listen to this statement. Wisdom without discipline leads to wasted knowledge, while discipline without wisdom leads to wasted effort. You ought to write that down. You've got to have wisdom. You've got to pray for wisdom. Hey, number three, raising your children to know and receive God's favor. In other words, parents, we need to teach our children to develop a personal relationship with God. You need to, nobody ever taught me that. In the church I grew up in, they didn't teach me that. I could have a personal relationship with God. It wasn't there. Parents, we need to teach those children. We need to teach them that they can have a person. They can go in their room and talk to God. And he's listening. You need to reinforce that, that he's listening to them. Amen? Most children are visual learners. They learn best by observation or what they see. And so uh, in the movie, there's one scene where the parents were praying and the two teenage boys were in the other room and they were watching their mom and their dad praying. They need to see you living it. Your kids need to see you. So keep the door cracked so they can see you praying in there. And they can hear you praying. And they see you and, the, and your husband or you and your wife kissing each other and, and, and loving each other and being together. Yes. Be an example for your kids. Yes. Amen. Amen. So if they're, if they're going to develop a personal relationship with God, they will need to see it modeled in their parents. They won't read the Bible if they don't see you reading it. Uh, they won't trust God in their lives if they don't see you trusting Him daily. Amen? Uh, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified, it says it like this, For we are God's handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus, that we may, we may do those good works which God predestined for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. If you'll give God, the number one place of priority in your life, it's very possible that your kids will too. Amen. Teach your children by example to live a life of faith. Number four, the last thing parents need to do to focus uh, is to training your children to live in favor with other people. I'm not talking about teaching them to be man pleasers, but teach them the social graces and the basic principles of living responsibly. You need to teach your children how to get along with other people. Uh, like that scripture stated earlier, God has already prepared paths for you to take in your future. He's lined up the right people, the right circumstances, and all the right breaks. He's already released favor. 
supernatural opportunities and divine connections. If you'll stay in faith and teach your children the same, the, the same you'll walk out uh, God's plan for your life and they will do the same. It, it really is a setup. Uh, if you'll step up and believe it. I expect it. You know, people ask me how I'm doing. I said, man, I couldn't. I think it's a frame up. I think I've been framed. God has just arranged everything for me to just walk in. Amen. Yeah. And he is. He set us up. He set us up. Well, he knew I was going to be here a long time ago when I was a terrible teenager. He knew I was going to be a good preacher. Amen. I don't know if I've arrived there, but I left. Amen. But I believe some of you are recognizing that fact. It's important for you to do that. Parents, what you do and how you live has major influence, influence in your child's lives. And what are, you, what are your children... Listen, here's a good thing, question to ask yourself. What are my children learning from me? Not from the world and, and the devices of the world, but what are they learning from me? Are they developing a generous, giving spirit because they see your generosity on a regular basis? Parenting is all, is all about teaching children to love and live for God and training them how to behave properly in society and live as responsible citizens. And it, can be all, and it can all be taught and should be taught in the home. There's no substitute for parental influence in the lives of children. No one is better equipped than you as parents to teach these qualities to your children. These four areas that we've talked about today are the cornerstones for success in life. Can anybody agree? Amen. Say amen to that. I believe that if you'll teach these things to your children, they will be ready for anything that life can throw at them. So, focusing on, the, uh, on teaching these things to your children is actually preparing them to be obedient to the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. Loving God with everything you have and loving your neighbors as yourself. And there they are again, imparting wisdom to your children, developing your children's stature, Raising your children to know and receive God's favor. Training your children to live in favor with other people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good. It's good. Oh, i got one more teaching next week. You don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. I started to put a thing on Facebook today or yesterday. that you don't want to miss tomorrow. Because wasn't this good? Did you get some good stuff out of that? Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger, so don't get mad at me. Don't get upset with me. I'm bringing the Word, uh, the truth. This is God's Word, and it's truth, and it'll help you. And I've researched. I've read books. I read several different books on families and problems families have and all that stuff, and I'm just teaching you out of what I've gleaned, you know, out of these books and stuff. So, so God is good. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. I, Lord, I just thank you that you love every family in this church. You love every family. And, Lord, there's times that we realize it's, we're stressed. We're, we're full of anxiety at times, and uh, we take it out on our children sometimes. Help us to be the parents that you want us to be, Lord, to our children. Help us to teach them by example and live out in faith the Word of God. Help them to, to learn from us the things we want, the, we want our kids to learn from us and the things we do in life. And we may not do everything perfect. So, Father... I ask you to just prompt us by your Holy Spirit when we don't do something wrong or if we don't say something just right. I, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who will correct us. He's the, he's the corrector, but he's, he does it so gently. He loves us. He never condemns us. 
He just helps to lead us into the right way to do things. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming into this place and and coming into our lives. Help us to learn that a Spirit-led life is the best way to live. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. And that's the truth. Thank you.